And boy, a lot going on around here. God bless you, and uh, thank you for coming. Babies being born, high schools being captured for the, with the gospel. That's amazing. Thank you for the work you're doing in the public schools, and uh, that's a blessing. And I, I don't know if you know it, but that doesn't happen everywhere exactly like that. So thank you for that, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. You've got just a beautiful place and uh, just such friendly people. I mean, just when you come in, just feel like you're attacked with kindness, and uh, that's good, amen, and uh, thank you so much for the hospitality, and I love your preacher, thank God for him, and you know, it, it's, it's very unique, um, I, I believe in having the right position, without the right position, people die and go to hell, you got to have the position doctrinally right, I believe in having the right position. But I like it when somebody has the right position and the right disposition. A spirit of graciousness. And your pastor has that. You know, to have the right position, you don't have to act like a pit bull eating black pepper and gunpowder for breakfast, you know. Uh, and I'm glad your pastor certainly has the right position and the right disposition. It's just refreshing to be here. And I thank you so much for the opportunity. Lamentations chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about a very simple subject tonight, uh, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. I want to give you a definition. God's faithfulness means that everything he says and does is certain. He is 100% reliable, 100% of the time. He does not fail. He doesn't forget. He doesn't falter. He doesn't change. He doesn't disappoint. Says what he means, mean what he says, and therefore does everything he says he'll do. I don't know about you, but I hate getting gypped. Y'all hate getting gypped? Anybody? I was talking to a blind friend in the church. He goes to our church and he had a, he, one of his buddies was telling him about it. He got a great deal on a solar dryer. He says, you're not going to believe this, Gilbert. He said, man, I got, I got the best deal. Is one of them on TV, $19.95 for a solar dryer. He said, I was so excited. And he said he got that thing in the mail, and it was 50 foot of cord for a clothesline. I know most solar drive. I know most of y'all don't know what a what a clothesline is, but uh, that's a true story. He did. He, it's solar dryer, and uh, I think he was blind also, so he didn't get to see the ad that well. But uh, anyway, I, I hate it. You know, it's like going to the Dollar Tree. You, why do you even go? You know what's going to happen. Like it's like people get mad when stuff from the Dollar Tree breaks. You know what's going to happen. That goes for Dollar General. And then you wonder why when you order something on eBay and it says three week, if, if it says three week delivery and it's got words that you can't read on there, it's coming from China. And it's in slow boat from China. We'll bear true on that one. And, uh, and people get upset like they didn't understand. It says it's going to be here a month from now. It's coming straight from China. And it probably won't work <laughs> when you get it, right? You have to wait another three weeks to, to send it back. But nothing more disappointing than, than getting stuff that doesn't work or feeling let down or maybe making, meeting somebody for the first time that you thought, man, I can't wait to meet someone. You ever met somebody for the first time you just thought that was going to be the biggest deal of your life? 
and turned out to be the biggest letdown you've ever had. Man, I was let down. It wasn't nothing like I expected, you know. But I'm thankful that there is about God's character something that we will never be disappointed in. We will never be duped over. We'll never think higher of God and his character and his faithfulness than he is able to deliver. Never. You'll never esteem God higher than his ability to meet your needs. I want to give you a few verses about his faithfulness and then we'll come back to Lamentations. Exodus 34, 6, And the Lord passed by before them, before him, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Deuteronomy 7, 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. Listen to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Psalm 25, 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee or to thy faithfulness around about thee. And these verses put together establish that the faithfulness of God is not some secondary or some minor character trait of God. It's not some minor or second part of his character. It is, it is a vital part of the fabric of who God is. One commentator says it this way. He likens the faithfulness of God to an engine. And in the, in the engine, God, uh, the attributes of God are like the, the parts, the components of an automobile engine. You have pistons, you have fan belts, you have water pumps, you have a thousand moving parts that all whirl around within a small space to make power to drive the car. The parts all work together harmoniously as the components of the whole engine. And that's the way God's, God's attributes function. If you, if you took away love, God's character would be incomplete. God's love works with all the other attributes like his justice to produce the right kind of results. We can compare God's faithfulness to the oil. It doesn't matter how many pistons you have. You can have all the cylinders you want. You can have all the horsepower you want. But if you take out the oil, it's not going to run. And so the faithfulness of God in his attributes is like oil to an engine. If you take out the faithfulness of God, then his love is not everlasting. If you take out the faithfulness of God, he's not just and right and merciful and gracious. But when you put the faithfulness of God like oil in the engine into all the attributes, they all flow through one mighty truth. And that mighty truth is that God is faithful. And so, yes, we can count on and depend on that God is going to love me as much tonight as he's ever loved me before. He can never love me less than he does right now or more than he has. God loves me with an everlasting love and that is not going to change, ever going to change because of his faithfulness. It is the oil of the attributes of God. It caused everything to function right. How can you have a loving God that is a just God? Because of his faithfulness. And the good news is, he never changes. He never changes. God's faithfulness means that each attribute in his character work together at full capacity all the time. 
When does his love fail? Never. Because he's faithful. When is God less than holy? Never. Because his character is pure. He's always faithful to who he is and to what he says. God's faithfulness is at the core of his character. It's at the core of who he is. He is knowable. He is holy. He's the creator. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's just. He's sovereign. He's unchanging. He's loving. Because he's faithful to his own character. This is so important in dark days, in difficult days. It's so important not to get sideways on God's character. Because if you're not careful, you'll get in your little space and you'll begin to think that as Jeremiah, we'll come to it in Lamentations. Look at chapter 3. And I think he was, he was definitely there. Jeremiah in Lamentations, he says in verse 1, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. I mean, Jeremiah is wondering why this all happened. He's looking at a desolated city and he's looking at destruction and, and he's wondering why this has happened. Everything's been destroyed. He's down in the dumps. I mean, and even in the first few verses, in the second verse we see him there, he said, as God, he's put me in the darkness. He's, he's, behe- he's held light from me. I mean, he, he's led me to darkness. And then he goes on to say, look in verse 6. He had set me in dark places as that they that be dead of old. He said, it feels like God is against me. Verse three. He said, God, surely it, it feels like God's against me. He goes on to say that he, he, it's like God's got a bullseye on my back. I mean, for almost 19 verses, he goes on about his teeth, about his body, about uh, just the physical and mental anguish that he's in. And, and he's, he's contemplating the fact that, God, because what you've done to my people, it seems like you're against me. Is God really against him? You know, if you're not careful, if Jeremiah can do it, you can do it. I mean, the truth is, I want you to look at it. I mean, he spent almost 19 verses. Look at verse number 18. And I said, my strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. I mean, bitterness in verse 15. Broken my teeth, verse 16, with gravel stones, covered me with ashes. He's in a pit. And if you begin to to look at your circumstances apart from the faithfulness of God and the presence of God, you'll begin to think that somehow God has a monopoly against you. Like he's he's got a thing against you. If you're not careful, if you add up, well, it's always happens to me. Why does it all, you know, everybody says that in their house. Everybody in here said that. Why does it always, it always happens. I guess it's going to happen. It's going to happen to us. Everybody in here said that. I guess if it's got to be anybody, it's got to be me. Let me go ahead and sign up because it's coming. One thing right after another. Here we go. Never expected any less. And you're watching social media and people's posting about the cruises and all the wonderful things that's going on in their life. And you're about to gag because that's not for you. 
And, and you try to fake something to put them. It's mostly fake anyway, but you try, you try to put something on there to, you know, make people think it's not as bad as it is. And, and, but if you're not careful, you'll begin thinking that somehow you know God's good and you know he loves you and, and you, you feel like that's true. But at this moment, the circumstances just don't add up to bear record. And you think somehow or another God has turned against you. Somehow or another, he's working against you. And Jeremiah felt that way. He thought, God, why are you, why are you letting me into darkness? Why have you left me? Here I am, Lord. Forgot about me. I want to tell you tonight, no matter what the devil tries to tell you, God cannot be anything but faithful Amen. to his children. And so he goes through these verses and, and, you know, God, verse 13, set a mark on him and, and uh, he, he cries out. I mean, he just goes on and on about what's happening. And then I want you to see in verse, in verse 20, my soul hath him still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Now, he had to work at that. And really, there's only about three or four verses right here that are real, real. I mean, they're good in a sense he turns the corner. He had 19 verses of not very good things to say. But he comes to chapter, to verse number 20, and he says, My, my soul hath them still in remembrance, is humbled. I mean, I, I, I get the message, Lord. Jeremiah's experienced a lot of pain and and my guess is, some of you, uh, you, you already have the words of this song memorized. You could sing it for Jeremiah. Feel like things are upside down. And God somehow, though maybe not fully responsible, he's somehow letting you go through it just so he can see and, you know, kind of laugh. It's not true. He felt like God was mad at him. He felt like he was in the dark. You ever felt like God was against you? He did. Mental pain, physical pain. You can't find release. Your prayers are not answered. People don't understand you. You ready to give up? Ready to quit? Hope is gone. And you know it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay. God's not scared of our honesty. Her people think, you know, take real strong stands on. Be, be careful about, hey, God can handle himself. He doesn't need you to be careful. Now, you better be careful because he, he's a God that judges also. But he's not scared by the things you say and feel. He's not trembling. And so it's okay to be honest, but it's not okay to stay in that spot. I mean, he spent 19 verses here examining why God may be against him. So it's not wrong to get to those places, but it is wrong to stay there. Because you're sliding and minimizing the faithfulness of God. You're attacking the character of God. When you say that somehow God plays favorites and he's not giving me a fair shake and he's not in my corner. You're saying that God's upset with me because of something's happened, this and that. And, and, and really you're assassinating the character of God. But he is faithful. He is faithful. 
So what do we need to do? Look at verse 21, if you would. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. We need to, we need to get the right focus. We need to reconfigure our mind and focus. We need to magnify our focus, get it right. What was the focus? He said, this, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. What is it that you're recalling, Jeremiah? Verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies. They were not consumed because his compassions fail not. So really, verse 21 is the hinge of this whole book. This is where it turns. He said, I, I recall, therefore I have hope. Though the outward affliction and the inward turmoil was pushing him to despair. He said, there were some things in my mind about the character of God. And church, that's why it's so important. In the darkness of life, don't forget about the character of God. Don't allow the devil and circumstances to skew the view of God you have in your life. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as good as he was on the mountain back yonder. And just when he answered that prayer, just in the nick of time. And just when he came through, right when you needed him. He's still that way tonight. No matter how dark, no matter how bleak the outlook, no matter how dire the circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his love doesn't change. His faithfulness doesn't change. His mercy doesn't diminish. And so here, Jeremiah forces himself. Sometimes you've got to make a conscious effort to focus on the goodness of God. Amen. The devil's not going to supply that for you. He's not going to offer that to you. He's going to tell you every reason why you need to cut a trail and run. But Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm going to work at it and I'm going to push I'm going to push to the forefront of my mind the truth that God is faithful. You know, computers, if you mess one up, you can always go back to the default setting. Our default setting is typically despair. We're just prone to it. Everybody loves a pity party and they come and make streamers and balloons and throw it for themselves. <laughs> And so our, our default is, is despair. But if we, don't, if we don't change our minds, we'll slide down into that slope of discouragement. If Jeremiah just focused on the things that were filling his mind, boy, he would have been, he would have been in rough shape. But he starts in verses 19 and 20. He starts getting better in a better frame of mind. What he did, we need to do. We need to engage our will and purposely and deliberately focus on the goodness of God and reshape our focus. Remember the truth. Recall a verse. Remember a time when God demonstrated his grace and mercy. Can you remember one of those times? When your foot had well nigh slipped, as the psalmist said, and God rescued you in that moment. You remember a time? You remember when you were starved to death spiritually and that verse came to your mind and helped you just when you needed something for your soul. You were so barren and desolate and God brought to your mind that verse. Do you remember? So when the circumstances are adverse to you and Satan is attacking you, let's reconfigure our mind 
and focus on truth because in, in bad times, truth doesn't come to the forefront. Everything else. We got to make sure because God's sure. How many of you, God's been good to you? Yes, of course he has. And so we push the faithfulness of God to the forefront of our mind. What did he, what did he recall? He said, as of the Lord's mercies, verse 22, they were not consumed, they were not, were not destroyed. That word for mercies is said. It's very rich. It has the idea within it of loyal love. Love that will not let go because it doesn't depend on emotion, but an act of the will. He said, of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. He on purpose, God on purpose, God on purpose gave you mercy. It was, it's loyal love. It's not something that God said, oh, I need to throw him a parachute and help him out. No, God is faithful. Even when you don't feel like he is, he is. He can't be anything else. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not totally destroyed. Every day you wake up, every breath you take of God's fresh air, every step you make in the morning is God's mercies that has said that loyal love coming over you every morning that you wake up. Whether you experience it or not or whether you notice it or not, that's why it's so important. And Paul said in Romans 12, we need to be renew our minds. Boys, we, we got to recall, we got to refocus our minds on the truth of God's faithfulness. In every aspect, every attribute he has. He loves us because he promised to. Not anything's going to keep him from making, from, from making good on his promise. You know, if it wasn't for God and for God's love, no matter how bad things are in your life right now, they'd be much worse. Without the Lord, he's faithful. So we need to, re, we need to refocus, make sure. And then we notice... In verse 23, I'm sorry, the latter part of verse 22, is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because his compassions fail not. And you'll notice there, that is, that is plural. That's not singular. His compassions, they fail not. And that word compassion comes from the Hebrew word womb and shows us the concern, the care. He's moved in, in the heart, but it's multiple compassions. It's not just, what if you woke up every morning to find your purse full of money? Hallelujah. Car full of gas? Amen. Refrigerator full of food? Yes. How about your youth and your vitality restored? Well, that'd be good. That's the way it is with God's compassions and mercies. Every morning, pocketbooks full, gas tanks full, not of money, but of mercy, compassions, not one body of compassion, compassions, his mercies never run out, his compassions fail not. Every day, you cannot bother. Have you, you ever seen, there's this little boy, he comes up, he's been, been coming to church for a while and they had not joined yet. And he comes up every service and asks me my name. He says, what's your name? And I, I tell him my, my church name, and I tell him my real name. I don't want to lie to him. I tell him, Preacher White, and I say, John White. And uh, every service, he come up to me last night. What's your name? I said, and, then, and I said, what's your name? He tell me his name. But you know, there's never a time when, and, and he don't get on my nerves, um, 
And I know Baptist people are so kind and nice, they don't ever get on anybody's nerves, do they? And, and you, know, you know, there's never a time when you're going to nudge God one too many times. There's never a time when you're going to worry him to death. <laughs> there's never a time when you, you're, out of, you're not going to run out of mercies or compassions, but there's never a time when you could, you could I'd mess up. A, you know, my, my grandpa said sometimes he'd get frustrated. He said, son, he said, you'd mess up an anvil. You got to be pretty good to do that, right? Well, then he'd get frustrated. He'd mix his words up. He said, you mess up a good ice cream cone. I thought, that ain't too hard. You know. But you know, God's never going to get that way. He's never going to get frustrated because he don't know what to do with you. He does know what to do with you. His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. He's faithful. Praise the Lord. Praise God for his faithfulness. The man in the wilderness, he, he gave it. I'm glad we don't ever have to, compassions, plural, we don't ever have to live on yesterday's blessings. They're new every morning. You don't have to live on yesterday's blessings. They're, they're never early, but they're, they're never late either. They're new every morning. Then look at verse 23. What does he say? Great is thy faithfulness. Whatever hard things you go through, never doubt his faithfulness. I want to tell you three places real quick. I'll be fast. Three places where we can practically apply God's faithfulness. How do we? I know it. How do we apply it, Pastor? First of all, when you're in a trial, when you're in a trial, all of us face hard times from time to time. Financial pressure, grief, depression, all of us are going to get in those categories at some point. Not all of them, but at least one of them. We're going to get in those spots. And so we choose to focus on God's mercy, his love, his faithfulness. But we're in a trial. He, he doesn't promise to prevent problems from coming, but he does promise to go through them with us. He promises his presence. Call to mind. When, when you're in a trial, call to mind what you know to be true about God. So when you're in the middle of a trial, don't go getting off track. When you get that phone call, you got this long to live. Don't get wobbly. Just go back to what you know to be true about a God who's been faithful. For years, he's been faithful to you. He's never broke a promise and he's not going to start with you tonight. And so when you're in a trial, you rehearse. When you get the phone call, you rehearse. Hold on a minute. I remember. I remember. He's never let me down. When everybody else walked out on me, he didn't. He didn't. When you're in a trial, remember, God's going to be faithful. He's going to get you through it. When that son or daughter breaks your heart and that grandbaby breaks your heart, Though it hurts, you can take courage. You can take courage. God's not going to sleep and he's not going to slumber. He's going to do everything possible to call them back to himself. He's going to be faithful to you in the middle of a trial. Number two, when you're tempted. Some of you are faced with temptations daily. Some of you young people, every day of your life, 
You don't just have to be young to be faced with temptation. But you're faced with temptation. I'm glad that 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What is your fatal flaw? You know, he knows the limits. He knows your limits. And I'm glad in his grace and his faithfulness, he's always going to make a way of escape. You're not going to always take it, but he's going to be faithful to make one. You'll never have a temptation where you don't have a way to escape. God will give you a way to escape. His faithfulness is tied directly in giving us a way to say no to sin. His faithfulness does that. When we give in to sin, it's because our focus is on the attractiveness of the temptation and not on the faithfulness of God. When we give in to sin, our focus then changes from his faithfulness to the attractiveness of this sin. It shifts. But I'm glad that he's faithful to deliver us. And then number three, when you get tripped up, would you be ashamed for others to know what you said and done in the last seven days? Always gets quiet right in there. That happens at freedom too, you know. What if we put it on the wall the last seven days? Everything you've done and thought is up there for everybody to read. Well, <laughs> three months, five years, we all mess up. We need God's mercy, don't we? So I'm glad when we, when we get tripped up, when we do mess up, he is faithful. And I'm glad he never, like, if I was God, I'd have took 1 John 1, 9 out of there. Because people are just going to abuse it. Now, I know God doesn't condone sin. And if he doesn't, if you really repent, you're not going to jump up. You're not going to just water around and stay there. Amen? You're not just going to water around. But I'm glad he left it in there, aren't you? And I'm glad his faithfulness secures that verse. Like there's no expiration date on it. And you're not going to get up to the window and say, go like KFC. Whoever heard of KFC being out of chicken? How does KFC get out of chicken? You don't do that. You know, it's like going down to Dario. We're out of burgers. Out of burgers? No. You're never, you're never going to come to this place where you've blown it. And God said, oh, Closed. Ah, just run out. Oh, here's a classic from McDonald's. The ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> that happens every night about 7 o'clock. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm teasing. I don't even get ice cream from McDonald's. But I'm glad if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I close with this illustration. In the country of Armenia... 1988, Samuel and Danielle sent their son Ahmad off to school. Samuel squatted before his son there on the first day of school, and he looked him in the eye, and he said, have a good day at school, son. And he said, remember, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. They hugged each other, and the boy ran off to school. Hours later, an earthquake rocked the area. Armenia, 1988. 
In the midst of the pandemonium, Samuel and Danielle tried to discover what happened to their son. They couldn't find out. They couldn't get news, couldn't get any information. The radio announced that there were thousands of casualties. Thousands. Samuel grabbed his coat and headed for the schoolyard. He was going after his son. When he reached the area, what he saw brought tears to his eyes. His school was just a pile of debris. Other parents were standing around crying in circles and just brokenhearted. Samuel found the place where his Armand's classroom was. And uh, he, he began pulling. He pulled a broken beam out. He pulled a pile of, out of a pile of rubble. Then he started grabbing rocks and setting them to the side. Then he grabbed another rock, set it to the side, and another rock, set it to the side. One of the parents, what are you doing? He said, I'm digging for my son. The man said, you're just making things worse. The building's unstable. They tried to pull him off from the rubble. He kept working. He set his jaw to work, and he kept working. As time went on, one by one, the other parents left. And then a firefighter tried to pull him away from the rubble, and Samuel looked at him and said, won't you help me? The firefighter said, nah, and he walked and left. Samuel kept digging. All through the night to the next day, Samuel continued digging. Imagine all night. Parents placed, they'd already placed flowers and memorials and pictures of their children around the rubble. Samuel kept working. He picked up a beam and pushed it out of the way when he heard a faint cry. Help! Help! Samuel listened, but he didn't hear anything again. Then he heard a muffled voice. Papa! Papa! Samuel began to dig furiously now. Finally, he could see his son. He said, come on out, son. He said, we're through relief. Armand said, no. He said, let the other kids come out first because I know you'll come get me. Child after child came out. Finally, Armand appeared. Samuel took him in his arms. And Armand told his dad, he told Samuel, he said, I told the other kids not to worry because you told me you'd always be there for me. Amen. Fourteen kids they saved that day. You know, more than Samuel, we have a God who's faithful. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter how bad it is, how much more faithful is your heavenly Father. Whether you're trapped by life's debris, snared by life's hardships, or cut off from God's faithfulness, he's true to his character. He is reliable. He's trustworthy. He can be counted on. To say that God is faithful is to say he's committed to you. He's committed to you. He's devoted to you. He's looking for you. He maketh no mistake. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust the Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him, he maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see, my eyesight's far too dim, but come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all he'll make. 
Through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. He's not going to start with you. I don't know what you're going through tonight. Don't let the devil sabotage the character of God in your life. He is faithful. Father, thank you for this night. Lord, I pray you're blessed now. The remainder of our time together, Lord, I pray you'll speak to hearts and help us. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. His bowed and eyes closed. The pastor's coming to conduct the invitation. I wonder tonight, has God spoken to you? Are you going through it right now? Are you in the middle of it right now? Are you experiencing one of the darkest valleys you've ever been through? I want to encourage you. God is faithful. Hey, you can count on him. If you're, not, if you're here tonight, you're not sure you're saved. You're not 100% sure if you die tonight, you go to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ died to save you. You can leave here knowing. Pastor's going to come conduct the invitation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand tonight, if you will. Wow, what a word. I wonder who is it tonight that just needs to step out and just tiptoe down to this altar tonight and just say something like this, Lord, help me to recall the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. Who is it tonight? Who is it? Who else? Folks are coming. Who else? You need to step out tonight. The devil's tried to get you sidelined. He's tried to get you distracted. Trying to make you question the goodness of the Lord. That's right. That's right. Who else? Who else? Who needs to tiptoe down tonight and say, Lord, help me to recall the goodness of the Lord. Maybe you're here this evening and you've questioned the Lord. And I guess we all do that from time to time. But tonight you'd come and you'd say, Lord, help me to trust. Help me to trust. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Man, what a great reminder tonight. Thank God our God is faithful. Yes. Yes. He never fails. He never falters. If he's allowed it to come into your life, he's allowed it for a reason. I don't understand it, and I'm sure that maybe you don't understand it. But thank God he knows what he's doing. Man, what a help. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. And God, we pray for everyone here tonight. We do pray for those in the altars. Lord, that tonight you just reconfirm in their hearts tonight the goodness of the Lord. Father, thank you for this reminder. Lord, it's been well worth our time to be here tonight. Lord, to hear this good message. And Lord, we need that. We need that. It's not always the job of the pastor to teach us something we don't know. Lord, it's very often the job of the pastor and the calling of the pastor to remind us of things we already know. We just need to be reminded of. And Lord, you're good. 
And Father, forgive us for when we forget that and forgive us for when we question and forgive us for when we doubt. And God, thank you for reminding us tonight, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. And God, if you're faithful, that means that I can go on another day. Lord, thank you. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, thank you for this reminder. Have your way in the remainder of the invitation, Lord. Please, we thank you in Jesus' name.